Brilliant. Right. Um, this evening we are talking about practicing forgiveness. We're in this little series uh, based on those verses in Hebrews about persevering, about keeping on going. And so as we uh, come to this evening and we think about forgiveness, I just want to start with saying that, you know, sometimes forgiveness is hard. Sometimes it's tough. You know, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, it ends after the Lord's Prayer with, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Can I just unpack a little bit what I think that means? I think what that means is that if we forgive other people when they sin against us, then our Heavenly Father will also forgive us. But if we don't forgive others their sins, then our Father won't forgive us. I think that's what it means. I hope the interpretation is helpful. Um, forgiveness is difficult. This is Jenny Nicholson, Reverend Jenny Nicholson. Once a priest, always a priest. So, Reverend Jenny Nicholson. Her 24-year-old daughter was killed in the terror attacks in London. She went public as she resigned her position as a priest because she was unable to forgive. It was too complicated and in part it was too complicated because there was no person left to forgive because that person who had done wrong was dead. And so she felt unable to forgive and she resigned her post. She was interviewed again by the PBC ten years on. Still unable to forgive. I don't hold her image up to criticise her. I hold her image up because forgiveness is tough. It's hard. And I don't want to, I don't want to do let's pretend tonight and make it any easier. Forgiveness is hard. And it's hard work. But you know, forgiveness is also possible. This is a lady called Eva Moses. She was a Holocaust survivor. She became somewhat famous when a documentary about her went viral. Not what an 84-year-old expects. It went viral because she talked about the horror of being taken into Auschwitz. And people, as they were coming off the train, were being sent one way or another. Either you get killed straight away or we do horrible things to you. 
And they clocked that she was one of a twin. And both twins were there. They went in the not going to be killed queue. Which actually was probably worse. They were experimented on and disfigured daily. The BBC interviewed her. That was the bit that I saw. And this quote from her. I forgive not because they deserve it, but because I don't deserve it. I forgive not because they deserve it, but because I don't deserve it. It just got me to the core that this woman who had been through such horror was able to forgive and was able to value herself enough to forgive. I think one of the reasons why we find forgiveness difficult is we confuse it with reconciliation. We attach the need to forgive with the need to be reconciled. And the reality is, sometimes we cannot be reconciled to the person that has done us wrong. Sometimes they've died. Sometimes it's just completely inappropriate. We don't want to go there. We don't want to be reconciled to them. We do not want to be friends. And when forgiveness and reconciliation are attached... It makes it really difficult to forgive. Because you can't forgive until the other person has said sorry. Folks, forgiving has got nothing to do with the other person saying sorry. And the sooner we detach those things, the sooner I think we can get into the heart of what Jesus talks about when he talks about forgiveness. Because there's a different category of thing. Let me uh, try and unpack, and, and there's, there's uh, too many uh, passages, well, too long a passage that, that I'm going to refer to, but I do want you to look it up and have it open and go and read it after this evening. Um, it's Matthew chapter 18. Uh, in the Pew Bible, it's on page 932, or switch your phone on, or whatever you use. Matthew chapter 18, and it is... Um, Starting at verse 15, it's the the story of dealing with sin in the church. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. So chapter 18, Matthew 18, verse 15, all the way through to the end. But we'll start in the middle, because why not? Um, There's this question that Peter asks in the middle of this chapter. um, And... uh, You know, they're good at asking questions, the disciples. Peter uh, pipes up to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. The the normal amount, um, by the way, in that culture was three. Um, You know, forgiving someone three times, you know, that's, that's a pretty good deal. So Peter's being quite generous here rather than, you know... Uh, annoying. Um, he, he's annoying in other places. Oh, he's going to talk to me about that when we get to heaven. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, seven times he's being generous, but Jesus replies, and in the NIV, it, you know, you've got slightly different things dependent on the translation. Jesus replies, I tell you, not seven times, 
but 77 times, or 70 times 7. 70 times 7 is a better reference, because actually it's a reference back to Genesis chapter 4, with Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, and he gets punished for it. He gets pushed out, and his response to that punishment is to say, this punishment is unbearable. And then you go four generations on, and his grandchildren say that this punishment is even more unbearable to the point that it is 70 times 7 unbearable. That's how unbearable it is. And Jesus is saying that you should forgive 70 times 7. That is 490 times if you're into record keeping. Can I suggest if you're into the record keeping, it's not forgiveness? What's he saying? He's saying you should forgive always. Let me try and unpack as to why I think he's asking us to forgive always. But before that, we're going to look back, because it's always good to look back and then to look forward again. So we're going to go back to verse 15, where it talks strangely about dealing with sin in the church. You see, I think the moment we talk about forgiveness, we can then begin to think, oh, we've got to go and be doormats for everyone. Here's a man being a doormat. Just thought it might make you smile in the middle of a quite serious talk. In the Christian community, what we're supposed to do is if someone wrongs us, we're supposed to take it head on. We're supposed to go and find them and to tell them what's wrong. We're supposed to tell them what's happened. Now, folks, frankly, this is not always easy because we're people. Just check in with yourself. You're human. Good. Uh, You know, it's tough because people... And uh, frankly, relationships are difficult. But this this is like the model. This is the template. Someone does something wrong, you go and find them and you tell them about it. What it doesn't say is you go and find 17 other people and tell them about it first as a way of counselling you before you... No, no, that's called gossip. You go and find them and you tell them about it. If they won't listen, then you take a friend. And, And this is a harsh bit, which honestly we don't practice this bit very much. But it then says, if they don't listen, you get them up in front of the whole church. I'm like, at this point, I I was comfortable with the first two steps, then I'm slightly getting into discomfort. Possibly even more discomfort is after that, you're supposed to, if they won't listen, you're supposed to treat them as you would a tax collector. I love that line. You know, yeah, I can treat them like a tax collector. I don't like tax collectors. I don't like their bankers. I don't like the people that rob us of money. Or like, there are probably some really good bankers in the world. I'm sure there are. And tax collectors. But you know what we're supposed to do with tax collectors? We are supposed to love them. How are we supposed to treat people that have hurt us? after we've strung them up in front of the church, we're supposed to love them. Love your enemies. Even those that persecute you. Not as doormats, but we're supposed to love people. Then there's this little verse. This kind of, this got me when I was prepping this. Verse 18 of chapter 18 
Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. This deserves a whole other talk, which I, I haven't even got out of my head yet. But it, if, if we're to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us, and if we don't forgive, he doesn't forgive us, then somehow if we don't forgive, that thing remains bound bound in heaven so folks we better get really good at forgiving forgiving because I want stuff to be loosed that's not the usual way that we look at that verse but that, it, it struck me that maybe that's what that verse is about because let's look at the context anyway let's jump ahead uh, to the parable of the unmerciful servant um, So the parable of the unmerciful servant, Jesus tells this story in response to how many times should I forgive? Seventy times seven. So he talks about this man who owed his master ten thousand bags of gold. And the master forgives him. And then he goes out and he finds someone who owes him a smaller amount, 100 denarii, 100 bags of gold or 100, uh, 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents, which is the other way that it's sometimes written, is the equivalent of about 20 years of a day's labourers. So a whole, 20 whole years worth. And 100 denarii is still not a small amount, it's about 100 days. It's always good, you know, when you're, when you're driving somewhere and quite by accident you listen to the radio. And I was listening, as sometimes I do, I know, I apologise to everyone under the age of 20, I occasionally listen to Radio 4. You should try it. It's really quite exciting sometimes. Um, anyway, I was listening to this random programme about the history of numbers. And complete revelation to me that the number zero, or not number zero, was invented in India. Yeah, someone's nodding. Great. And it's like, this was a new idea. And it's all tied up with their whole religion thing as well, you know, because if you can get down to zero, then, you know, it's a whole, ah, oh, thing. We're not, not, we're not going there. Um, but anyway, this whole, this whole program, and I was, I was kind of like, this is really, there's a whole, there's a whole world of maths and num, I have just not bumped into. And then there was this line that said, and in the ancient world, talking about Bible times, the largest possible number was 10,000. And I thought, that's interesting. That's got some vague resonances from the Bible. And so we come to tonight's reading. I'm like, 10,000? And I looked it up in a proper concordance commentary thing. And lo, it is right. I'm amazed that something that I heard on Radio 4 is agreed with in a solid biblical commentary. How good is that? And what it said was this, that the largest number in the Greek world at the time, the largest number of measurement that they had, the biggest possible conceivable idea that they could get their hands, heads around, was 
8,000. And, I didn't get this bit from Radio 4, the biggest unit of currency, the absolute, like the biggest note, the biggest note of currency, was a talent. The largest number and the largest unit of currency. Jesus uses these two things to illustrate how much we're supposed to forgive. In response to Peter's question, he's not saying forgive 490 times. He's saying forgive the biggest amount that you can possibly conceive and then double it. That doesn't work, by the way. Uh, To put it in context, the guy that he then went after in order to kind of hound him after he had been shown unimaginable mercy and grace and forgiveness by his master. The person he went after for the hundred denarii, do you know how much that is in comparison to the amount that he was forgiven? It's about one sixth one six hundred thousandth. That's quite difficult to say. And I thought, how on earth can I illustrate one six hundred thousandths to the good people of Weston? Me included, because I live here too now. And then I thought, I wonder how many pixels are on the screen behind me? There are lots. No, there are pixels. I can tell you how many there are, Matt. On that screen then. No, actually, they are projected pixels, because I know the resolution of the screen. I can tell you the answer. Don't fight me. I'm preaching you're not. (coughs) And you're also 12. The number of pixels on the screen, whichever one, are 786,432. I didn't count them. I did some maths. So... The number of times that of the person he went after was about one and a quarter pixels. Um, a pixel is about that much at the top of the U, if that helps. It's, um, I can count them actually, it's about four across. He'd been forgiven that much, but he went after that much. How many times should we forgive? Always is the answer. Um, Let's just do a little social experiment, if we can. Um, Although I think the names might have changed as we've gone through the evening um, due to childcare arrangements. Um, I have written down, uh, been keeping a record just since I've been here, um, of uh, the sins uh, that various people in the congregation have committed because, you know, I just think it's important as a vicar, given GDPR, just to keep track of things. Uh, So I've written some things down, I've made some notes, and I have given three people uh, in the congregation an envelope with uh, all their recorded sins on. Uh, So if Kat, Dave, and Peter, I think, if you you the step in for James, 
would come out the front. No, just in fact, stand where you are. Um, great, uh, and, and just, just yeah, great. Um, I mean, how does it feel to be holding the last kind of twenty months worth of sin? Oh, they're James's. Yeah, but you're stepping. Uh, your envelope's quite small. Well, well done. Holy, holy cat. Your, whose is the biggest? Yours is. Of course, he's a priest. Um, could you just open your, in fact, come up here. Come up here, because I want you to open them on mic. Uh, and then read out, uh, read out the sins, uh, that I've logged on your behalf. Um, I hope no one's feeling uncomfortable. I mean, I hope you haven't been doing anything really naughty, because this could be embarrassing, couldn't it? Uh, yeah. So, um, Mike, Kat, can you tell us, can you tell us what I've recorded on Mike? Well, mine's wrong, because mine's blank. Okay. <laughs> Got plenty of paper here. <laughs> And it looks like these are all blank, too. Um, Dave, you've got the most weighty. And I, <laughs> I didn't know who I was going to give that one to. When he... Well, that's kind of you. <clears throat> and the winner of the Golden Globe Award... No, mine's blank as well. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, thank you very much. Do you want to give him a round of applause? Um, in fact, can I, can I have one of those stacks of paper? Thanks, that was great. Um, th- there, is, there is a point to this. You see, the way, the way that I've come to understand forgiveness is, is that what happens is, is we keep a file on every person that has done us wrong. And we make a little mental note of it and we write it all down. And we do that for government. We do that for people. We do that for God. You know, all the times that he didn't answer, you know, we we make a little mental note of all the things that have been done wrong to us. And we hold on to them real tight. Because quite frankly... It's more comfortable to hold on to them than to let them go. But I've come to understand that the act of forgiveness is to take our file of judgment against the other person or organization or God and hand it over to our loving Heavenly Father. I, I, you know, I keep on working on other kind of images of what forgiveness is, the transaction of forgiveness. To hand over our right to be in judgment on the other person. To hand it over. And you see, the beauty of that is it doesn't require the other person's involvement because that's reconciliation. But what it demands that we do is that we leave the power to judge, the power to take action with our loving Heavenly Father. 
We leave it with him. You see, the reason why all of these pages about Cat's life and Peter's life and Dave's life were blank, were blank was because love keeps no record of wrongs. No records are kept. Cat, your file really is empty. In Jeremiah 31 it says this, I will forgive their wickedness, should say wickedness, should have paid more attention to the wriggly wriggly wed line underneath it. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. You know, when we ask our Father God to forgive us, I think if we've asked before, then what he does is he opens up his book of our sins. And for some of us, that book is quite large. And he opens it up and he says, Mark, how we do... What are you, what are you talking about, Mark? I, I, I haven't got a record of that. Because I already forgave it when you asked. When you first made a choice to follow me. When you first made a choice to follow me, I forgave the whole lot. And that book is blank. I will remember their sins no more. So folks, we're going to end this evening. It is, it is past eight o'clock, but almost past eight o'clock, but don't worry, the good telly doesn't start till nine. Um, we're going to do this together. And, and, and folks, we have got, um, we've got some Thursday night sessions in. Um, where we can just dig a little bit deeper into some of these things and Thursday the 21st of March is the next one and I'm going to be taking us through an exercise like this but kind of in more detail and talking about this stuff a bit more and I'd love as many of you as possible to come to that but let's, let's start this evening In each of your pews, there are some blank bits of paper. But I've not given you any pens. (laughs) Because I don't want you to write anything on this sheet. I'm inviting you to have a conversation with your loving Heavenly Father now. And very specifically, I want you to take a moment Not with your own clever thinking, but to ask the Holy Spirit in this moment, who do you want me to forgive? And you might be very, very surprised what he says. Ask the Holy Spirit, who do you want me to forgive tonight? And if some of you need a free gift, that is a great question to ask any day of the week. Holy Spirit, who do you want me to forgive? And we're going to do two things. We're, uh, don't, I don't want you to write anything on the bit of paper. 
But if you're ready to forgive, and it's, and it's hard to do it, but folks, that's what we're called to do. Called to live free, to travel light. Then bring up your piece of paper, and you're going to need to kind of go round this way, up to the top, right up to the communion table at the top. You know, this isn't a temple, but if it was, that would be the most holy place. It's not. But I want you to walk there. And I want you to leave your piece of paper there as a way of laying down the right to judge in this situation, to forgive. And it might be that you need to do the same thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. It's going to be a lot of times before you get higher than 10,000. So keep going. And then on your way down, we've got some candles here. I encourage you to come and light a candle. It can mean whatever you want it to mean, but it might say, Lord, yeah, come and, come and drench me in light. Come and drench this situation in light. Come and fill me with your spirit. Whatever those transactions are, whatever those prayers are, I'll leave them to you. If you want to pray them through with someone afterwards, we've got folks who are on prayer team this evening. They'd love to pray with you. But I'm going to invite you now to stand with a, with a bit of paper in hand, expectantly that there will for each of us be some things that we need to forgive. Holy Spirit, in the quietness of this moment, come and show us who you want us to forgive tonight. In the quietness of your own heart, why don't you just ask him now and echo that prayer. And Holy Spirit, forgiveness is is hard, but you've called us to do this hard thing. And I pray especially this evening for those for whom this is a really tough journey. Because of the things that need to be forgiven. Which maybe you've not even given words to. But your loving Heavenly Father knows. And even if you have to do it again tomorrow and the day after, tonight is a good night to hand it over, to hand over your right to be judge, to forgive. In Jesus' name.